been many, many, many people down through the history of God's church that were younger than the people they were leading. And to you, if that's you, God's called you to lead people that are older than you. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you know, don't let them despise you because you're young. Amen. We're going to get to heaven and we're going to get to sit down and talk to Methuselah. You know, who was 969 years old when he finally died. How would you like to have been a contemporary of him and called to be his pastor? And I'll tell you what, I have had, I have pastored some Methuselahs. I have pastored people that, that had, had been ministers and pastors themselves for many, many, many years. And had now, you know, uh, passed the baton. And then, you know, I come along, you know, I'm, I'm a lot younger than them and I'm their pastor. It, it's, it's scary. I've pastored churches where, where I had, I'd have 10 or 12 like that in my church. And you talk about you talk about watching your P's and Q's. Amen. I'm real comfortable here. I've gotten used to it, you know, so you know, Brother Bill back there, he don't scare me at all. <laughs> but there was a time there was a time in my life that you folks like uh, the Jays and the Fields would just terrify me because of their vast experience. And and yet you know, God's given me people that support me and encourage me, and that's what we need to be for each other. We need we we're here to add, we're here to add to and not take away. We're not here to make life miserable for each other. We're here to be a positive benefit in each other's lives. Can you say Amen? But but no matter who you are, no matter who you are, you're called to be a leader in the kingdom of God. I liked what Ruth was preaching a, a few weeks ago when she talked about how, how you know, God uses leaders. And, uh, and, and what we need in our country are real leaders. We need people, you know, that, uh, that can uh, uh, lead the rest of the people into godly living like Joshua did. And, and uh, the elders of Israel, you know, as long as Joshua was alive, and the elders of Israel were alive. Israel served the Lord, but when they passed away, there was no one. There was no one left to lead, and because of that, the people the people fell into idolatry. And that's been the story of mankind all along. We need leaders. We need we need we need leaders of all ages. And that's and that's what God does in His church is He develops leaders, people who will stand up and be what. An example of the believers. The an example of the believers. I, I talk. I mentioned you know when I started. You know, we need to be true believers. Well, a true believer is a believer that God can use as an example yeah. for other believers to follow. And then he lists the, he lists some areas where we need to we need to be good examples. And uh, the first one was in word. Well, that word word is, is referring to what comes out of your mouth. We need to be an example of believers, and our speech needs to be believers' speech. Amen? And we need to talk like this. Well, I'm believing God. I'm believing God for this, and I'm trusting God for that, and, and I, I'm expecting God to do this, and, 
And, uh, you know, that kind of talk instead of, well, I'll tell you what, I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's, I'm afraid it's going down, you know, down the drain. I'm afraid this country is going to hell in a handbasket. I, I just, I believe it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I, I'm telling you what, I don't have much hope for this country. That's not a believer. That's not being an example of a believer. You're not leading the way. Amen. A, a true believer is going to encourage people's faith by the words that come out of their mouth. What are you expecting God to do? Amen. I was talking to a salesman yesterday, and uh, and uh, I don't even think he's a Christian. Well, I know he's not. I, how do I know? Well, the words that were coming out of his mouth, the words that I can't use. And but he's a great guy. I mean, just a, I mean, he's one of those kind of guys you'd like to give him repeat business, you know, because he's just, he's just, a, he's friendly, he's informative, he's helpful, he's just a great guy, and uh, and he was telling me yesterday that he he went to the doctor and the doctor told him that he had, uh, uh, oh man, he had all kind, he, he had a brain tumor, he had bladder cancer, he he needed uh, he needed uh, several body replacements he had some kind of, something wrong with his kidneys and and stuff like that and and uh, and uh, I said well what did you tell the doctor and he said I told the doctor no don't worry about me I've overcome all lots of things in my life I'll just I'll overcome this and man he 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 listed a bunch of really bad things that were wrong with him but his attitude was I'm going to overcome this and I thought this guy's not even a christian but his attitude is, is, is an attitude that uh, uh, a lot of Christians need to have. You know, when, when you know God and your, your life is anchored in, the, in God and you're full of the Word of God, you're, you're going to be optimistic about things. Doctors give you a bad report, you're not going to just fall apart. You're going to say, well, I'm going to show Him. Your optimism is, is, is going to be uh, contagious because you're a true believer and the words that come out of your mouth are faith-filled words and words of blessing and not cursing. Amen. And then he says, be an example of the believers in conversation. That's lifestyle. How do you live your life? How do you go about your business? You're, you're an example of the believers in your Honesty and your integrity. How do you how do you go about paying your bills? You know, we used to have uh, some members of Cornerstone Church back in the early days. They they're long gone now, but they were they were very uh, very well off. He was he was a multimillionaire. Yeah, we used to have those kind of people in Cornerstone Church. When we started, we started with 84 charter members and three of them were multi-millionaires. They were the first to leave. I guess, well, they, they couldn't buy me. They couldn't control me. So they just went somewhere where their money could get them what they wanted, you know. And, uh, but, you know, God bless them. I, I, don't, I don't feel bad towards them. But uh, this one particular family had some children, and my daughter babysat for those those children, and uh, they had they had money just 
you know, just rolling out their ears. And yet they'd go down to Blockbuster and they'd rent Blockbuster movies for their kids and forget to take them back for three months. And when they finally took the movies back to Blockbuster, they had, they'd have to pay this huge fine because they just didn't, you know, they just neglected to get the movies back on time. And she said it was like that all the time. Their, their electricity got turned off because they'd forget to pay their bill. It wasn't because they didn't have the money. When they came to church, every time he was in church, he put in a $500 check. And that wasn't even his tithes. And if he wasn't at church, we didn't get that 500 The only time he ever put money in was when he was there, and he wasn't there very often. But every time he was there, he'd put in $500 in the, in the offering. But when he, put in, when he gave big offerings, he'd give them to people like Benny Hinn and people like that. He gave Benny Hinn a Rolex watch that was like $30,000. I mean, but they couldn't pay their bills on time. They'd get their electricity cut off. He almost got a car repossessed because, you know, he forgot to make the payment. I mean, it's just like, you know, their lifestyle was loose and loosey-goosey. <laughs> and they were teaching their children to live like that. And, uh, and it was unfortunate. You know, you, you learn a whole lot about people by taking care of their kids. Amen. But the Bible says that a, the, a Christian leader, his lifestyle needs to be an example for others to follow. Is your lifestyle an example for others to follow? You say, oh, well, I'm not worried about that. I, nobody's following me. Oh, yeah. There are people looking at you all the time. I heard... I heard a rumor, I forgot to check it out with Sandy, but I heard a rumor that she got home one day and there was this big bag of cat food at her door. And a note, and it was somebody in the neighborhood just said, we, we just want to thank you for taking care of our neighborhood. And they rewarded her with this ton of cat food. Amen. Hope you share that with the cats. Okay. I heard about this guy, you know, this senior citizen that was at Costco, and he is buying, you know, he's buying a big old fifty-pound bag of dog food. Did y'all hear about this? And uh, he was checking out there at Costco, and the guy in the line behind him says, "Do you have dogs?" You know, he's buying this big bag of dog food. Oh, you must have a dog. And so this guy thinks, uh, no, uh, uh, he said, this is for me. He said, I'm on a dog food diet. He said, I just put the, I just put these, you know, this dry dog food in my pockets. And whenever I get hungry, I just reach in there and I get me a, I get me a couple of these dog food bites and I, I eat these dog food. He said, I've lost 50 pounds. He said, but I didn't get arrested. I said, well, you got arrested? What for? He said, well, I peed on a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and they just got, he said, well, you know, you don't mess with senior citizens. Because we got, we, we don't put up with stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. That's being an example of the believers right there, I'm telling you. 
Amen. Praise God. Lifestyle. You know. <laughs> yeah. Y'all can tell I've been I've been I've been listening to senior jokes. You know, my my son he's always sending me dad jokes, so I've been sending him some senior jokes. You know what seniors do? If they think it, they say it. So you want to be you want to be well practiced in being an example of the believers because you never know what you're going to say when you get loose. Amen. Praise God. He said, be an example of the believers in charity. Y'all know what charity is. It's love. Be an example of the believers in love. You know, I've, I've, been, to, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life. And, you know, the, the best testimonies that I ever hear are from people that have, you know, have passed away, but they leave a legacy of love. And people talk about how they how they always loved others and they always uh, sacrificed for others and they were always putting other people ahead of themselves, and they lived they lived a life of giving a life of 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 loving others, and uh, and then you know I've I've been to funerals where there were people who you couldn't say that about, and people were just grasping for anything good to say about this deceased person because that person had lived their life selfishly and had and had you know uh, been a negative impact on other people's lives well when i when i go on i want i want i want it said of me he was a loving and and, and self-sacrificing man i don't want him to say you know he lived his life for himself amen And he said, be an example of the believers in spirit. Well, I, I did some research on that word spirit. And you know what that means? It means temperament. You're an example of a true believer in your temperament. You don't lose your head. You don't get hot-headed. You don't fly hot. You don't have uh, temper tantrums. People get under your skin and you, they never know it. Because you're a, you live a life of self-control. Tim LaHaye wrote a book one time called Spirit-Controlled Temperament. And, uh, and it's one of, one of my favorite books in my library for many years because, because uh, he was teaching that, that a, a believer, a true, true believer, is a person of even temperament. He's not, he's not all, all going around depressed half the time then on top of the world half the time. And some of the times he's really kind and he's really sweet. And other times he bites your head off. But a true, a true believer is someone who's allowed the Holy Spirit to enter into them and moderate and modulate and, and, uh, and, and even out their temperament so that they can be the same every day to everyone. Amen. Think about that. Are you a, are you an example of a person who's got his temperament under control and under the control of the Holy Spirit? And then he said, "Be an example of the believers in faith." Well, that's that's in in your trust of God, your faithfulness to God, but also in your in your confidence that God is faithful to you. A man of faith is someone who trusts God. Can you say amen? And then he ends up with this word purity, which means which literally means holiness 
or, or living a holy and godly life, uh, cleansing yourself of all the filthiness of the flesh. How do we do that? Through the washing of the water, through the purification that takes place when we meditate in God's word and we pray in the spirit and we become, we become purified to the point that, that uh, we have character. You know, ca character is what you're like when you're all by yourself. When you're all by yourself. You're not just an honest man when people are watching and the security cameras are on, but you're an honest man when, when you know no one's looking. Hello. <laughs> Amen. I used to, when I was going to college, I had a job as a, as a, in a janitorial service, and I would have to clean offices after hours. Usually I'd clean, I'd clean between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. I'd go all night, I'd clean these offices, lawyers' offices, uh, you know, insurance offices and whatever. And, and uh, you know, it'd be, it's amazing how many, how many, quote, professional people will leave money just laying around. They'll leave, they'll leave, they'll leave money laying on, on top of a desk. Or they'll leave valuable things, you know, like uh, I, I'd clean one guy's office and he, he, he would, leave, he would leave, leave his expensive watch just there on the credenza, you know, and, and, uh, and, and man, and this is before security cameras. This is before, you know, this is before, you know, our day when, when you're always on camera somewhere. And, and I remember one time I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up this office and there's some, I forget what it was, but there's something really valuable. And I, I really w would like to have had one. And I had this thought, well, nobody's looking. Now, where do you think that thought came from? I said, no, nobody's looking. You could take that. Nobody, nobody would know. He probably doesn't even remember where he left it. You'd probably get away with that. And uh, and I just had this immediate reaction. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, I knew who that was. You're not going to tempt me. I don't care if nobody else is looking. God's looking. Because my mother brought me up singing this song. There's an all-seeing eye watching you, watching you. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. And it had several verses. And hell was in one of those verses. And I was scared to death because I knew God was watching me even when it was dark because God can see in the dark. Yeah. I remember I woke up one night and I looked over at my closet and I could swear I could see God in there peering out at me. It scared me. I cried out to my mother and I said, Mama, come in here. She came in there and she said, What's the matter? I said, God's in my closet and He's watching me. And I asked her to shut the closet door. She said, he can see through the closet door. I said, she said, you can't hide from God. Well, I've, I finally figured out that if I would just live right, I, that wouldn't bother me. You see, if you live right, it won't bother you that God sees everything. You know, the Scripture says you know, that, that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing the bone from the marrow, and, and, uh, and it knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Oh, 
and there's nothing that is not open and naked before him with whom we have to do. See, the word of God is not an it, it's a him. And he is watching. So, you know, a, 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 a true believer understands this and a true believer doesn't have anything to hide from God. As if you could hide anything from God. Be an example of the believers in what comes out of your mouth, in your lifestyle, your love, your temperament, your trust in God, and your holiness of living. Amen? Amen. There's lots of scriptures my mother would use. She'd use that one. You know, your sins will find you out. And what you do in secret, God is going to announce from the housetop. Yeah, I thought about that one night when I was on a date with a deacon's kid. Church of God deacon's kid. And uh, somebody somebody talked me into asking her out. And so I asked her out. And I said, where do you want to go? And she said, oh, I don't know where you want to go. And I said, let's go bowling. Oh, we don't believe in that. I said, well, let's go play miniature golf. Oh, we don't believe in that. I said, well, you want to go to a movie? We don't believe in that. I said, well, let's see. We can go play pool. Oh, we really don't believe in that. I said, well, what can we do? She said, we can go parking. I said, I don't believe in that. Why not? I said, because, because I don't go anywhere I don't want to take God. Because God is watching. And I took her, uh, I, I think I bought her a hamburger and a milkshake, and I took her home. And I never took her anywhere again. Because she was a temptation. I mean, she was, I was tempted. I mean, she was a temptation. And I later found out that she married a preacher. And today, he's the president of his denomination. But... I can look her in the eye and I can just smile because I never touched her. Amen. And her husband that she's married to now, he was he became a friend of mine. So I'm really glad that I can, you know, look him in the eye without any shame. You never know, folks. Purity of heart and purity of action is is uh, it's so important if you want God to use you and make a leader out of you. Amen? So, uh, 1 Timothy 4.12 in the Passion Translation. Let me read this. Don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being fruitful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. I like that. Then look at verse 12. Uh, in the, No, I'm going to skip. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Do you know it's not good enough just to be a believer? You need to be a believer who lives right. <laughs> Amen? Romans 7 verse 18 in the Passion Translation. Paul says this, he says, I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. 
the longings to do what is right are within me. Now, I'm reading this because I know some of you can really relate to this. The longings to do what is right are within me. But willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcomed intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am or who I really want to be. Verse 21, through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Can anybody relate to that? Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. And I think that's true of everybody here. I think everybody here, in your heart of hearts, you want to do the right thing. You want to please God. Because you've already given Him your heart. You've already declared Him to be the Lord of your life. You've already become a born-again person. And so I, I don't believe there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to do the right thing. But, he said, I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from this unwelcome intruder of sin and death? You see, the Apostle Paul is writing about an ex his experience Correct. of how he wanted to do right. He knew what was right. He wanted to do right. He intended to do right. But there was something working in him, in his inner nature, his human nature, that warred against that. And, you know, and he was always messing up. That describes me when, you know, when I got saved, when I first got saved, man, I felt so clean that day. I didn't want to open my mouth. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was, I just, I just wanted to enjoy that clean feeling for as long as I could. But then the next day I had to go back to school and I had to sit with the same people and play on the playground with the same people. And uh, next thing you know, I didn't feel clean no more. Because I'd get caught up in, in, in their sin with them. I wanted to do right. And so the next Sunday, pastor would give an altar call again. I'd get saved again. Yeah. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, Every Sunday, he'd give the altar call, and I'd be the first one down. I'd get, I'd get, because I, I wanted that clean feeling. I wanted to do right, and then I'd go back into my life, and my world, and my old habits would take over, and my old friends would influence me, and I, I was weak. 
I had good intentions. Somebody would offer me a cigarette and I'd smoke it. The whole time knowing I went, I'm not supposed to do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. But I didn't have the character. I didn't have the I didn't have the, the strength inside of me to fight that that force, that power. Well, I rocked along for a couple of years like that. That was miserable. I was miserable being a sinner, but I was I was miserable being a, a, a weak Christian. A weak Christian is a miserable person. And the world's full of weak Christians. They're always doubting, am I really saved? You know, the devil's always telling you, you're not really saved. Look at, look at what you said. You lost your temper and kicked the dog. You're not saved. Remember one time I got so mad at the dog, I picked him up and threw him clear across the yard. I, I was 35 years old and pastoring a church when I did that. Yeah. How many of you have made mistakes recently? Yeah. So what's the answer to that? Well, the answer is right here in the Bible. Romans 7 Verse 25 in the in the Passion translation says, I give all my thanks to God for His mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind, everybody say renewed mind. My renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. See, the way out is through the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Be you transformed by the renewing of your minds, the Bible says. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. So he says uh, in uh, Romans 8.1, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. Amen. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Romans 8.4 says, So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. Paul said in Galatians, he says, he says, the life that I now live, it's not I, but it's Jesus living in me for the glory of God. Amen? The life I now live in the flesh, it's not me, it's Him living in me. God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish when He put Jesus inside of you. We are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue 
what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. So we seek to be spiritually minded. We seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read this from the New King James. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. This is how you can be, begin to be a true believer. And every one of you said that you wanted to be a true believer. This is how you can be an example of believers. Ephesians 5.17 Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what have we learned? We've learned that God's Word is God's will. Amen? If you want to know what the will of God is, you need to know His Word. You need to renew your mind so that you think God's Word. That's the truth that will set you free. Now look at verse 18. Be, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. I've noticed lately that all of the entertainment media, whether it's movies, TV shows, document, docudramas, or whatever, it, it's, it's like you cannot watch an episode of... Uh, anything on TV without people drinking wine. They, I mean, they're constantly, constantly drinking wine. I mean, they have wine when they get up in the morning. They have wine, you know, for breakfast. They have wine at lunch. They have wine in the afternoon. They have wine for supper. And they have wine before they go to bed. I mean, it's like, it's like the whole world is a bunch of winos, and then it, then it you know and then the the really hard shows you know they go for the they go for the the scotch and the whiskey and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for having a glass of wine, but I'm saying the whole it's some, it seems like it's being forced down your throat. Everywhere you look, along with the F word. You can't watch anything anymore without the F word. And it's going to be like that until they come up with a worse word. You know, they come up with something worse than that, then they'll be pushing that on. And, and isn't it amazing how many people you see out in, out, in, out in the world today that in everyday normal conversation they use the F word? Why? Because they're getting their minds trained by that medium, entertainment media, and they think everybody talks that way. Even if you watch an old World War One movie, or a movie about World War One, or a movie about the Civil War, you get all these you got all these old soldiers using the F word. Well, they didn't talk that way back then. I mean, it's just, they, they've gone 
through through the entertainment medium, they've gone back in history and corrupted those people. It's sad. Everybody say that's sad. And if you follow along that, and that becomes your vocabulary, that becomes your thought processes, that becomes what comes out of your mouth. You're not being an example of believers. You're being an example of the losers. You're being an example of the sinners. Don't let them set the tone for what you do. My dad used to tell me, he said, he said, there's two kinds of people in the world. I said, what's that? He says, there are thermostats and there are thermometers. He said, do you know the difference, son? And I said, I can't even spell them. He said, a thermometer just tells you just, just tells you what it is. A thermostat sets the temperature. God's called you, Christian, to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Amen. He says, so, do not be drunk with wine. I don't know why, but sometimes you read something in the Bible and it just sets you off on a tirade. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Who knows what dissipation means? Excess. What happens if you have an excess of alcohol? You become controlled by it. You become a fool. You become a danger to yourself and others. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And isn't it strange that he would contrast those two? Or, or compare them, drunk with wine or filled with the Spirit. Speaking to your, to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You see, being filled with the Spirit governs behavior. Being filled with the Spirit governs the words that come out of your mouth. Being filled with the Spirit is going to affect your attitude towards the Lord. And it's also going to affect your relationships with others. Amen. Just like being drunk will, will affect it negatively, being filled with the Spirit will affect you positively. So my point here is the key to being a true believer is to be filled with the Spirit. We've said this before, but it bears repeating. How does a person stay drunk? He has to keep drinking. What happens if you stop drinking? You sober up, right? So if you're going to be, if you're going to, if you're going to stay drunk, you got to keep drinking. And there are people who can do that and, and still function. Yeah, not as well as they think they're functioning. But, you know, they can still go to work and, you know, things like that. But he said, he said, rather than being drunk on wine, he said, be filled. And that word be filled is a, a present participle. It means to continue being filled. In other words, God wants us drunk on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will affect us positively. Holy Spirit will make us smarter, make us wiser. You know what? I was talking to a twenty-something uh, one day, and he was he was going on and on about how 
how smoking marijuana made him smarter. What does the Bible say about a man who's wise in his own eyes as a fool? You know, but he was he was serious, and and I said I, I thought I thought no, it don't make you smarter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I make better grades, and I and I, I'm just more skillful. You know, when I'm smoking marijuana, I'm I'm just a better me. And I'm 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 talking to, him. and then my wife, sitting back there. She says, "Oh, I used to think that when I smoked marijuana, and I made some of the worst worst mistakes in my life." I looked at her. and I said, "You what?" <laughs> well, before she got saved, she was a good Baptist girl. And she just did what all the other Baptist kids, <laughs> you know, and and she and but she was explaining to this guy, you know how how you, how you think you are, but you really aren't, and because she had the experience, see, I've never touched the stuff myself. I've been offered it many times, but I never touched it. Uh, but she had experience. Her words carried more weight with him than my words did, and so we teamed up on him. And and uh, you know yeah. he's still an idiot, but you know he's he's been told. Yeah, but people actually think they actually think that that uh, doing drugs and stuff like that makes them smarter, makes them wiser. You know they watch these TV programs about this guy, you know, who takes this pill and it makes him smart. But it also they, they forget about the part it destroys his body and makes him a makes him a wreck. Yeah. Understand the Holy Spirit, being drunk on the Holy Spirit doesn't take away from your life. It adds to your life. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is God Himself. God Himself at work in you, delivering you from the sins of the flesh. See, one of the one of the best things that ever happened to me after after two years of being a saved man, a saved boy, who kept falling off the wagon. I was saved. I wanted to do right. I, but I had to go to church every Sunday and get cleaned up all over again because I didn't know how to stay pure. I didn't know how to stay clean. But one day I, I, I received the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into me and set up residency in me. Brought all of His tools with it. Brought His whole, his whole power chest with it. And from that day to this day, I don't have a problem with bad language. I don't have a problem with having a, a bad temper. I used to beat, I, I remember one time I beat my best friend half to death. This was after I was saved. We got in an argument out in the backyard and I just pulverized him. And then I hung him on the clothesline. You know, I took I took the two wires of the clothesline, stuck his head in them, and did like that. You know, he's hanging there. He's, he's just hanging there on the clothesline, and I just walked away and left him. I'm a Christian. My mother, my mother heard him screaming, went out there and saw him hanging from the clothesline, and rescued him. He was my best friend, Tony Martinez. Yeah. But when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden I didn't have that temperament anymore. I didn't I didn't I didn't get mad and put my fist through the sheetrock. 
I didn't do the stupid things that I did before. I wasn't perfect. It's been a process. But I, I'm telling you, you're looking at a changed man. And, 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 and what changed me was not me turning over a new leaf or me trying to do better or me just being afraid of getting caught. What changed me was the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And so I can tell you, I can tell you, do right, live right, live an honest, clean life, walk in love. I can tell you all of that knowing you can't do it. You can do it for a few hours, a few days. You could do it maybe for a few months. But at some point, your strength is going to fail you. And I'm giving you some good advice right now. Be filled with the Spirit. Continue being filled. Get your mind renewed in the Word of God. If you don't spend more time in the Word than you do on TV, you're not very smart. I'm just telling you. Renew your mind in the Word of God. Not the Word of the world. The news will get you depressed. The news will get you angry. I knew, I knew a man who beat up his wife because he watched, he listened to Rush Limbaugh for three hours a day. He got so mad at the world that he went home and beat his wife. I don't have anything against Rush Limbaugh. I'm a Rush Limbaugh fan. But I knew I couldn't listen to him three hours a day. Not because he was a bad guy, but the news was so bad. He was exposing all kinds of stuff. And it's the same way with Tucker Carlson, any of those guys. You listen to them all the time, you're going to get mad. You're going to get mad at the world. And it's not going to help you. You're better off getting in the presence of God and interceding for the world for three hours a day. If you do that, you could change the world. Christians, when are we going to be examples of what we know to be true? When are we going to live like real Christians? And quit playing around with the world. Hello. Anyway. How do I continue to be filled with the Spirit? Well, how many of you know that if you ask, you shall receive? I was 14 years old when I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. How did I receive the infilling? Did I understand everything there was about the Holy Spirit? Did I understand? Did I know how to speak in tongues? Did I understand? Did I, I didn't understand anything. I was 14. But somebody told me if you ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, He will. And then if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit tomorrow, ask again. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit on Tuesday, ask on Tuesday. The way you stay filled with the Holy Spirit is the same way you'd stay drunk on wine. You've got to, you've got to participate in it. You know, I've seen Christians, good church members that, you know, I talk about this and they say, well, you know, I spoke in tongues back in 1942. Well, good for you. So on a certain day in 1942, you were full of the Holy Ghost. That must have been the best day of your life because you haven't been full since. 
listen, folks, we're, we're a spirit-filled church. We're supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost every time, every time we wake up in the morning. We're supposed to get a new filling. Before you get out of the bed, you ought to ask the Holy Ghost for a new filling so that you can live right that day, so that you can be a good example of the believers all day long, so that you can overcome sin. Amen? Well, that's good stuff. Amen. Don't shout me down. I wish I wish y'all would sometimes. I got shouted down one time. It felt good. I mean, it was exciting. Matter of fact, I've been shouted down more than once. And I went, first of all, it surprises me when people just jump up and start shouting. Right in the middle of my message, they, they just they just jump up and in one accord, they just start shouting. It happened to me in Myanmar. It happened in, in England, uh, in a Bible school. I was teaching on I was teaching on the, the a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit to these Bible school students, and right in the middle of me teaching one day, they just all jumped up and started shouting, and it shook the whole building. Jim Maloney, who was the director of that Bible school, he was in his office in another building, and he said the pictures on his wall began to shake. And he thought he, th he couldn't figure out what's going on. And he heard this roar coming from the other building. So he went and looked in and he said he saw these students just, just shouting and praising God. You know why? Because I told them they could have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. It blew their minds. He said, he said I've, I've been here for three years. I've never seen them do that. Never seen them do that. It ought to excite you this morning to know that you can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. That you can have Him fill you every day. That you can live a life drunk on God. Hallelujah. Under the influence of divine power. Amen. That's how you are an example of the believer. Are you ready? You want to stand up with me then and shout unto God?